Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. I almost said I'm Judy Booty just to mess with you. Uh, I'm Jude. Look, you, you know what? I realize, you know, because even friend Daniel sent me a message like, I can't believe you left that in. My sister's been calling me that all my life. Like, that's just normal. I didn't and know that. Yeah. Like, it's like, what's best for the pod? Uh, felt like in editing, just leaving that in there. So here we are. We all appreciate you for it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not changing away from Jay Hubbett, though, as far as, like, Discord and all that other stuff. Um, that Jay Hubbett stays. But. Uh, that's fine. I wouldn't take that away from you, but I'm going to be peppering in a Judy booty every now and then. <laughs> well, you know, Go ahead. It, it's so funny that you were going to, to throw that in there, because I've been thinking about a lot how... Not necessarily routine, but I say the same thing every time we open up an episode, and there's a part of me that wants to find a way to shake it up. You do throwing in a Judy Booty every now and then would be great. There you go. I'll, I'll do that. Cool. I'll, I'll see if I can come up with one for me. Yeah. Oh, we're made. In, we're using our made-up names. <laughs> I'm Judy Booty. Right? I'm the tap stream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, even with that, I go with Jay Hubbard, but okay. <laughs> Oh man. Well, you know what? It's it's always a weird feeling when we do back-to-back episodes and we have this banter section mm-hmm. because it's like we just did this. We just caught up. What do you want from us? I know. Like what well, see again. Well, it's it's like that realization that one time I was like, "Oh, there's hours of us out there on the internet of us just talking." Um which which means like as we're recording it back-to-back, um someone's going to come across Hawkeye in real time, in terms yeah. of when it's released, and they're going to listen. So we got we're, we're doing the separate episodes. We're we're thinking of the future, the backloggers, as we call them. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we and, and, and new listeners that find us and go through the backlog, we truly appreciate you. Yeah, how's twenty twenty two? Let us know, please, please be better, please. Right. <laughs> Well, of course, if you downloaded this episode, then you know we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 2 of Hawkeye, titled Hide and Seek. So the way we're going to do this is we've got some pre-spoiler thoughts for you. We will get into the episode without spoiling it, and then you'll hear an audio cue, which will take us into the spoiler zone. So before we get there, Jude, do you have any pre-spoiler thoughts for Episode 2 of Hawkeye? Uh, Yeah, so like I mentioned... I thought this was a good uh, in the pre in the pre thoughts that we posted on social media that it was a good blend tonally of that Netflix Daredevil in the MCU and what I what I I want to clarify that a little bit what I mean by that is two things um, it feels especially when you think about Loki and even Falcon and the Winter Soldier this feels very grounded yeah uh, you're in New York you're in the city uh, there's it's feels very dark and gritty, but it doesn't lose that MCU charm or aesthetic. Also, if you go back, you know, the backloggers go back and listen to, because it's going to become relevant after Spider-Man No Way Home, um, our season one review of Daredevil that we started with, um, we talked about those episodes having this A-B cadence. Like, you had to see two episodes together, and I feel like this is is one of them. Uh, same thing there. It's like episode in one episode one and two definitely are, are a pair. So I think if you listen to our first episode 
on episode one, we I we started mentioning or, or kind of holding back a little bit of getting into episode two, and, and that's just because they pair so well together. So, so yeah, pre-spoiler thoughts, Trey. My pre-spoiler thought for this episode is it feels like there are a lot of callous wounds at play here, but... You know, I mentioned the clunkiness of episode one being made up for with sincerity. Sincerity in this episode is becoming a healing salve for our characters. And that is a wholesome place for this series to be going that I wasn't expecting. Um, And I like it a lot. And the other pre-spoiler thought I have is that Kate and Clint are clearly a very strong dynamic. And I'm so glad that this episode gets them working together. And how they work alone. So it it is the, I guess, if we could put it this way, the call to action of all the setup they did in the first episode. So in that sense, the AB cadence that you were invoking is definitely felt uh, within my notes as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's where I'm going to leave it before we get into the spoiler zone. So... Like we said, you're going to hear an audio cue, and on the other side, it'll be fair game for all spoilers in the MCU, excluding the Eternals, but we'll see you on the other side. And we're back. So we're going to break this down into the most important topics, and the first one will be reluctant teamwork. So this section is going to be used to highlight the working relationship between Clint and Kate as they learn to work together and figure out what they're going to do about the missing Ronin suit. So starting with you, Jude, where would you like to start with reluctant teamwork? Hmm. Reluctant teamwork. Section detailed relationship between Kate and Clint. Okay. I'm going to start with something that bothered me about this. Okay. And And it's not that like... Like, I didn't like the show or something like in, in there because I actually I really enjoyed it. But part of me was just like, you know, Clint, your desire to track down that suit, people are going to put two and two together and realize you were the one wearing it. Mm-hmm. Like, like th- there's an element of isn't it a little bit fishy that there was that Avengers compound? And yeah. You're the one tracking it down. Uh, and it's so important to you to track it down. So yeah, there's, there's, there's that, that didn't quite sit white with me, but it was one of those things where I was like, I'm going to let that slide because I'm really enjoying this episode. You, you know what? I'm going to go out on that limb with you and I'm going to read my notes straight. I have a feeling that Kate finding out that Clint is Ronin will be a huge emotional moment, but I am slightly disappointed they really haven't established a reason for Kate to believe why the suit is so important to Clint beyond just stopping the bad guy. Right. So it's a very thin reason where anybody could really put two and two together, like you said. Yeah. Well, and again, Campbell in the story and Dan Harmon in the you know story circle, Heroes Journey story circle, like... There's going to be, and you don't really see it. Um, and I feel like the first episode was misnamed. This whole "never meet your hero." Yeah, the episode when she finds out and has that kind of epiphany, glass shattering moment of like, "You're not perfect," because you know that's coming. That I think should have been the title episode for "Never Meet Your Hero." Um, but it, it's what it's basic stages of relationship, right? Like you have this, this infatuation from afar, um, you build somebody up on a pedestal, even when you first get to know them, how wonderful they are. And then next thing you know, like the relationship typically should end in the stage two disappointment, right? Um, 
all of a sudden this they're not the person you really thought they were or you built them up to be um you know and and typically that's the relationship ends or you accept them as a human being and they accept you and there's growth and you grow in a relationship um and not romantic like it can be romantic but it I mean, we do that with our friends yeah right? all relationships yeah and so and so like yeah you know it's coming well you know something that's coming to me now you know i was i was i was saying it was a disappointment but i'm maybe putting this together we had that long conversation last episode about parasocial relationships maybe it is something that is supposed to be a red flag but because of the way like you said, she has put him on the pedestal. It is being swept under the rug, which will make that revelation that much harder when it hits. Yeah. Well, and it, and it makes you wonder, is that revelation going to be just for Kate or is it going to be more widely known? Right. Because like from what we see in these two episodes, his wife knows. Yeah. Um, but you get the sense and well, Natasha knows. Um, Rody knows for sure. Roadiness. Man, okay, so now that I think about this, like that's if they go down that route where like everybody finds out, now you're talking about like Avengers team covering that up. I oh I wonder how big And we have to assume Val knows, because going off the Black Widow in tag and Val being Val of what little we've seen of her. I have almost completely forgotten that that was a hook that Val has sent Yelena after Clint because she's framing it as though he killed Natasha. I think you just un- uncovered a pretty big catalyst for how this season's going to play out. Yeah, you know. Not and we're not in the prediction section. I'm just you know, sifting uh, through. Yeah. That's really good. I like that a lot. So right. Go ahead. If you like this episode, Nick Sandy, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we got the first mic drop of the season. Know, For anybody right. playing bingo, we got the truck drop last week, and now we got the Nick Sandy drop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I, I want to stay in this section about parasocial relationship, the the imbalance between Clint and Kate. We've, we've talked a little bit about Clint. On the Kate side of thing, I, I, I stumbled into this feeling of you have the insincere... Uh, novelty of running into someone like Hawkeye, like that we had in the restaurant and in the bathroom, and then the genuine interest and inspiration that Kate has found from Hawkeye. It's the same person in the different ways that they have expressed their admiration. I love how with Kate, you know, she's doing her best to be respectful and has also trying to to weasel her way into being like an unsolicited pupil of like taking notes like, oh, so this is how you do it. You're just constantly surveying and looking for suspicious activity or, you know, she was trying to learn all she could from him. Uh, the other example is like, oh, are we going to get like supplies from the Avengers? And then they show up in like the pharmacy store to get like supplies, uh, like first aid kit stuff. So I love how it is a mix of sincerity and the i don't even want to say unwelcome i'm just going to use it again the unsolicited pupil my favorite of that when you listen to that unsolicited pupil yeah is where and how kate got barton's phone number <laughs> and he's all like only for emergencies and you know that ain't like and we see it later it's not it, it doesn't happen she calls i'll call you and later just, yeah yeah it's it's of course that's gonna happen mm-hmm you know, it's it's the whole like, 
Happy Hogan and Peter Parker thing again. Yeah. It's like, hey, you know, I helped this lady and with her lost puppy or whatever it was. I know it wasn't that. But this and I got a churro and like <laughs> you know, and, and, and I and I saved this guy's bike. Like it's totally gonna be that. Well, two things. One, that is the second time we have compared Kate Bishop to Peter Parker, and I'm very curious to see how that comparison keeps on through the series. And two, it makes me think of another point that I wrote down where we'll see this again in Miss Marvel, but I love that we are exploring this era of the MCU where you have a generation of people who were inspired by the Avengers and they are now of... This is going to sound weird to say, but within a, 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 a superhero context, I think this fits. But they are now of a superhero age where they can join in the fray, even though they're still on the young side. They're getting these powers and going into the fight. And you can see it in the way that like Kate has an admiration of like, hey, can you sign my bow? Or the uh, she's like, yeah, I kept my mask on like a pro. Yeah. Just little things like that where they have lived in an Avengers world and you can feel it. Oh, yeah. So the the only relatable moment I can have to this, and I totally felt Barton when he was like, are you 18? She's like 22. He's like, same thing. <laughs> and I totally feel that in, in like, as I talk about here, I'm a teacher, right? Um, and I have all seniors this year and considering like when, when they were born versus like when I graduated and, and that, I'm, I'm starting to get to that age range where it's like, well, this is 50 or 15 of me teaching. So if freshmen are basically 14, 15, I'm, I'm starting to hit that age range of like, I've been teaching longer than you've been alive. Kind of, kind of age range. And, and I was telling my seniors there, I was just like, if your teachers in some way think of you as children, try not to get insulted. Mm-hmm. I was like, because. I work with people who are older than me that are, you know, that age-wise, you are a child still. They, they look at you and they're, it's like you're their grandkid's age. You know, when I look at how old my oldest is to in relation to, to you guys, you're, you're a kid still versus like 15 years ago when I first started. That, that the age gap was closer. And so I, that's what I just love that interaction of just like, like you're a kid. I'm 22. That's the same thing. Like I just, I just, I just love that, you know. And I just, I always find it interesting because there's this weird moral question. Um, it's not weird, but it's, it's what makes it weird is, well, let me, let me backtrack. It's, it's not weird for the comic world. Yeah, but it's weird real life. Okay, and, and does like should this happen? And usually it's surrounded with Batman and Robin. Was Batman being irresponsible in having Robin, right? Like, you're an adult and you have this kid and you're bringing this kid up to basically be a crime fighter like you. You know, was was he irresponsible? Well, it's the same dynamic with Tony and Peter, right? Like, I have this guy and he goes back to Queens because the power set works for his and what he needs to do, but he's a high schooler. Um, Kate Bishop, because, you know, you come from a family of wealth, you're still in college and not in prison for destruction of property. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you know, and, and, and so there is this moral thing of like, 
like taking them under their wing and, and training them to be the next superheroes. Mm-hmm. That's messed up <laughs> in the real world. <laughs> you know, I think it's always one of those things we'll bump up into where you just kind of had to like, uh, it's a superhero world. Cause we talked about it with daredevil and how Matt was using his superhero abilities to in the courtroom to determine who <laughs> is or isn't lying. <laughs> Yeah, but at least with Clint, there's an element of, like you said, like we titled the section, Reluctant Teamwork. He's like, you stay in the safe house, you do this, don't do that, you know, this will be the last time we talk to each other, like, and she's like, you haven't taught me anything yet, but just this, you know, and, you know, what about Trick Arrows? And he's like, Trick Arrows? We're not going to talk to, like, we're done, I'm going to go see my family, we are not, at this point, we are not friends, (laughs) you know, um, (laughs) You're not my ward. <laughs> like, and, and so that, so that, that was really cool. Part of the dynamic too. So what you're saying is Clint is better than Batman. Can we get you on the record with that? Yes. <laughs> okay. So peek behind the curtains. It is Thanksgiving today when we're recording and I got to meet up with brother Daniel and we totally <laughs> talked about how you angered him with the Justice League hate. I'm this is I'm owning this family, Daniel. I'm prodding Jude to get you mad on this one. <laughs> well, I mean, let's be honest. Like, if if it's a fight, like one v one, Batman and Hawkeye, I'm gonna take Batman. Of course, right? Like hands down, I love Hawkeye. You know, and what they're doing, what they've done with him in the MCU. But in terms of like that area of like, like I'm doing this and this is very much, I'm a shield agent. This is my job and this is what I do. That really resonates with me, that take on the character. And so this idea of like, you're this 22 year old kid who just, you don't understand what you're asking for in, in wanting to live this life. You know, and, and we you mentioned it before with Wanda. It's very clear, like, you're here by choice. If you walk out that door, this is what we do. If you're not up for it, that's fine. You don't have to be. And and so in that way, like, yeah, it, it feels better than um, he, he handles it better. Mm-hmm. So you just sparked something I want to talk about before I jump into my next point. I don't know this for sure but so much of what we're dealing with with clint here is he is a character that has lost hope before like that is straight up the catalyst for why he became ronin why he was so quick to sacrifice himself or attempt to sacrifice himself in endgame i wonder how much this keeping kate at bay is residual feelings we don't know there's no text evidence but i want to say it now residual feelings of potentially wanda having taken her under his wing kind of maybe subtly and the ramifications of what have happened in westview like i wonder if that weighs in on clint at all you know what i i honestly didn't think you were going to take it that way i thought you were going to take it the way of natasha and natasha's death the only reason I went that way, I, I, I it's it's probably it, all I was going to say is is it's probably a mix of both. Yeah, yeah. Which and I, I want to be clear here because it there, there's nuances to 
what has happened with Wanda and, and Westview. But from what I imagine is just the public's perception of what happened in Westview, I wonder how that factors into Clint's psyche as well. Yeah, I think they both have to, to some mm-hmm. degree. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like they're going to, as a show, they're probably going to lean into Black Widow more as as far as how that weighs on on Clint. But yeah, so that's, but, but in reality, which is weird, like to say that, because I know we're talking about in-world Clint <laughs> and stuff, they could go... They could have gone either way and still get that out of this character, mm-hmm. whichever whichever one they want to emphasize or find a way to emphasize both. They they could make this look at the the Clint Barton character work with going either way. So shifting gears into a similar point, in my pre spoiler thought that I put on social media, I mentioned feeling clunkiness within these two episodes, but a conversation about branding was something that really hit hard for me. And to sum it up, there is a scene where Clint and Kate are walking and they see somebody who's like, hey, look, you're a superhero. And they run past Clint and it's costume people dressed up in costumes. And Kate says that his problem is branding, to which he scoffs off and, and talks about how like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm surely not selling costumes or toys. What what am I selling? And she says inspiration. And the reason that I like this so much is so often we talk about Clint and Natasha as these characters who are the stand-in for hope in the face of insurmountable odds. And again, Clint is a character who lost that. He lost that feeling of hope. Uh, He straight up says it, don't give me hope in Endgame. And so even though he has been given this second chance from Natasha to as we see, try and rekindle the the relationship with his family and, and spend time with them. That 16 layers of protection that Kate is talking about is the internal loss of, of hope within himself. And so for Kate to come in, who is somebody that straight up wears their heart on the sleeve, and even in things that they don't pull off like the the clock tower or later on in this episode where they fall through the the roof in the interrogation scene they're being genuine and earnest like they are almost inflappable with their or unflappable I should say with the energy that they go into every moment with and so to have them butting heads like this it's it's a I don't know it's it's a pull at wholesomeness that I wasn't expecting yeah. Well, and you know what? I like you brought that up because I'm I'm working on the assumption that Kate was not blipped. And Barton was, and his family was. And so he Wait, had Clint wasn't. No, 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 no. I'm you're right. He wasn't. Barton was not, but his family was, is what I meant to say. I'm glad you caught that. Um and, and so in other words, he had that experience of what those five years was like. And so it makes sense that at this point in going from the way the, especially with uh, Monica Rambeau and her experience of, because I think she's the only character we've seen come back and wrestle with those ramifications. Um, no, we did with Sam and Buffy. Sam, Peter Parker. Yeah. Not in the same way. I, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Like, because like, we saw Monica Rambeau come back and where it's like one minute she's gone and her mom's there and next minute 
it's not. And so her experience is like no time had passed. And, and, and so you get to see it in a very different way than you do from Peter, Sam, and Bucky, if that makes sense. 100% makes sense. And that, so, go ahead. I just wanted to say the, the blip is something that happened to them and they moved on. Monica Rambeau shaped them, if that makes sense. Right. You know, and, and again, the way we saw them to, to deal with it. And so it makes sense that you start this series with him out with the kids because there is a you need the time to reconnect and you're only going to do that with the quality time. You know, and it, and it seems like they're playing on this struggle of him trying to reconnect with the kids, you know, if, if that makes sense, right? Like, oh, I wish you were here and makes it easier and, and, and those types of things. But I'm sure that there was a reconnect time as well that he needed with um, his wife. So, so her experience, I'm assuming Kate's not being blipped. And him having that experience, I think, also has a, a huge impact on where he's at mentally and and how that relationship is is developing and progressing. You know, because like she again, she sees this parasocial relationship. She sees this of like something really cool, and I get to go jump off buildings and do all this fun stuff that I've been training for all my life. But she hasn't really faced consequences yet. Of living this life the way Clint has. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. It's just, it's just such a tragic setup of a character that he doesn't view himself as inspirational and he is still providing it for other people and cannot fill it internally. And that's, mm-hmm. man, yeah. there's, they're, they're doing a lot with Clint so far in two episodes. Oh yeah. Like, like I, I really enjoyed these two shows and are these two, these two episodes and I'm super you know, was disappointed. I wanted to go into the third. Um, <laughs> you know, and it was weird because watching all the others Disney Plus shows, I was very much in the camp of I liked the slow burn rather than just a binge watch. But like, I got so into these two shows that I was like, "Oh, where's the next one?" It's like, "Oh, it's next Wednesday." <laughs> so, oh, and I'm probably gonna have to go back to waking up early to watch it Wednesday mornings. How come? Um, my youngest has soccer practice on Wednesdays. So like it'll be coming straight home from work, picking her up and go taking her to soccer practice. And in the fall, because of her broken arm, she missed like a whole soccer season. So like coming home and watching it on a Wednesday was no no big deal, you know, with the recording on Thursday. Um, but that's just going to push back how long it takes me to watch an episode. Uh-oh. So, so yeah. Anyways. Well, that's what coffee's for. I've had two cups before we did this episode, but okay. Me too. I promised I'd never do it and I always do. That's all right. You know what? After after having Thanksgiving dinner and like with family and like, and I'm gonna just you know I don't know if this is gonna be an in tag. Maybe it shouldn't be now that I said the word, friend Daniel, or <laughs> if it's an episode you're editing. But like I've seen episode two two and a half times now and a half because like I was watching it after getting home from Thanksgiving, visiting with family, wonderful Thanksgiving, eating and all that stuff, and I just crashed on the couch mm-hmm. so yeah i completely forgot you didn't have notes which makes the so where do you want to start dude so much funnier to me now in retrospect <laughs> yeah like i'm supposed to be taking notes but i'm just relying on the fact that i've seen it multiple times and you know we'll tell and, you and what. actually right now my notes 
have are all stuff that like popped into my head while we were recording episode one that is like, oh, cool. And I'm going to type that out. <laughs> I'll tell you what, let's go ahead and move into the next section and we'll start with me this time. And this next section is LARPing. So this is going to deal with all the scenes of Clint clearly in the LARPing section, but as a fun play on the words, when he was LARPing as a firefighter in in an effort to get the suit back from Kate's apartment. (laughs) So starting with me, I just have a question. How effectively could a person pull off what he did? At that at that apartment scene where he just donned on the firefighter suit, like, do they just not talk to each other? How did nobody notice? Um, my experience of a scene like that breaking into an apartment that's been on fire. Go ahead. Is there's no way, but okay. <laughs> um, you know, and I and I'm mixing a couple of things, right? Like, so there was once where not far from my house. My stepbrother got in a car accident mm-hmm. and stepmom called me all upset. It wasn't far. So I took off right to go see and, and these cars were turning around. Right. And they kind of had like these cones and I went through the cones around the cones and I pulled over and I got out of the car and the police officer was like, it's like, Hey, you need to turn around. I was like, yeah, my, br- my brother was in that. And, he's, and, and before after I got out, even saying that was the accident. It was like, my brother was the driver, you know, um, it was a head on collision. And even before there, like his next thing was, you take another step. I'm going to put you under arrest. Whoa. And so like, it's like, and I stopped. It's like, look, that was my brother. Right. You know? Um, and so, yeah. And then like with my neighbor's house, um, last March, uh, caught on fire. And you had multiple fire trucks and stuff and just seeing how the setup was and the number of people, there wasn't like a police line, but it was just like, there was no way I could have got into the truck, put on a jacket and a hat and mm-hmm. strolled in without somebody noticing. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> so that's why I'm like, I don't think so, but he's Hawkeye. Yeah. And and I want to clarify, this isn't just like being nitpicky of the episode and it made it worse. It's just, it's so funny to me how smoothly he pulled that off. Right. Well, and, and hey, uh, one, there, I'll interject this because I praised it last episode with Kate. So maybe it's a double standard that I'm not praising it here with Hawkeye. Well, there's a weird, the, the, the one weird thing that stood out to me about this whole scene, which includes that, was the portrayal of the firefighters and the police. Um, like they were clearly had LARPing as something to be made fun of, but they were also very explicit of like, most of these people are firefighters and cops. Right. And so you have this weird, like most of these people here are firefighters and cops, but yet we're intentionally playing the scene for laughs. You have a firefighter who stole from a, uh, a, a scene that they haven't yet been able to determine investigative wise, if this is arson or not. So like you're stealing from a potential crime scene at the point that he was there just because it's a suit that looked cool for LARPing. And then in the end of the scene, he's like, I don't get to be a hero. Please let me win this. And I'm like, that's a very different narrative than say something we would have got 10 years ago, 15 years ago off still coming off of first responders are our heroes, nine 11. And so that was something, well, I love the whole sequence, but that, you know, and, and it, and it, 
and it worked, but it was like, man, that, that was something that really stood out to me. That was a very different narrative of police officers and firefighters. Okay. I changed my mind. I am being nitpicky. I'm, I'm back on that side. I well, cause there is a little what? bit, there's, there's a bell of, of like, well, there's for, for Barton to pull this off. Like it's believable cause you're an Avenger, but it's also like an ineptitude on their part that he was able to pull it off. Well, the thing that I'm at odds with is, and I, I just didn't put this together and it's going to ruin a note I have later. It is a huge thing that that person stole part of the crime scene because like, I got it like, oh, okay, he made the connection, the the LARPing, and then he found them online. It's like, oh, how cool is it? This is a person that stumbled into the suit. But no, that was a person on the job. So yeah, that is a little... Yeah. That's uh, morally objectionable. Right. And it's <laughs> and it's funny, and it gets us to that sequence. Um, so there is an element of like a feeling of writing that it's like, so you didn't Clunky. take this... Yeah, like, <laughs> well... It's like, it, yeah, clunky is a good word because it feels like, hey, this would be a fun scene and a really cool scene, the LARPing scene. How do we get Clint there? Okay, the suit. How do we get the suit there? Uh, you know what I mean? And and so in like the like the device of getting this, him separated from the suit, it it just you're right, clunky. You know, um, I love again. I love the episode, like, it, it, but that, but there were, and I didn't think of it as clunky at the time, but it was like, there is a very, as you said, kind of now clunky, now say that, a little bit of clunkiness to the, to the narrative there. It, it's writing to a moment and not letting it happen. Like, they, yeah. it's, it, they have this in mind, how do we get there, let's get there, rather than like, what are the actions that would happen? And so- yeah. I think what this episode, again, what this episode has going for it is the sincerity that it is wearing on its sleeve. So <laughs> I said it ruined my notes, but I'm going to go ahead and jump into it too. Let's let's just pretend like the firefighter didn't steal an important piece of the, the crime scene for this. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, we talked about how Kate mentioned there are like 16 layers of armor to get to Clint's heart. And I appreciate how it took literally armor that clint puts on to see that heart finally come through because even though he's putting on that like oh, i really don't want to do this he's having a little bit of fun in that larping scene like there are scenes where he's going in for like strikes and he's being dramatic and he's getting into it and then he kind of stops himself again but it it was in that moment of play that we saw something genuine come out of him though of just happiness and yeah. Go ahead. Did you? Well, I was, I was you, saying what I what I teased from that LARPing scene was, uh, or no, the, the what I teased about the LARPing scene from our episode one for the pod was that I felt like this scene was showing Clint's dad vibes. Okay. This whole willingness of like this, like okay, this is ridiculous. I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it anyways for someone else, and I'm going to pretend to like it. Um, cause I mean, there's a number of things that I'm sure my parents did to, and played with me that they were looking back. It was like, they totally didn't enjoy themselves in terms of the actual thing we were playing. But the idea that they were playing with their kid was something they enjoyed, you know, and, and parents experience that. They're like, it's not what I would have chosen to play, but whatever you want to play this, you're my kid. And, and it got that dad vibe feeling kind of like willingness to play by the rules, and for your sake, I'm going to play by the rules. You know, I'm doing this because I need that suit back so I can save K 
Kate now that Kate Bishop's associated with the suit. And so I just got these whole dad vibes out of that scene. I really love that you brought that up. Like that is a good catch in that feeling with Clint. Yeah, it's it's like when the parent brings you, you know, from a, a reference to eighties. It's like, how many parents really wanted to go to the New Kids at the Block concert with their kids, <laughs> or and then and do in the late nineties, two thousands? How many parents really wanted to go to the Backstreet Boys and Sync concerts with their kids, and their mm-hmm. kids loved it, and they enjoyed love being there with their with their kids and seeing their kids and having a good time, but that might not have been their first choice of. <laughs> acts to go see right? i i'm immediately thinking of all the pokemon movies my dad took me to when i was younger <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what i got out of that scene right uh-huh that's really good you know i i, I do have more to say almost in the opposite direction where I, I haven't fully fleshed this out yet but i'm trying to find more examples to bolster this as we go through the series it's giving us a very civilian perspective of the mcu you know, last 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 week, last episode was so uncanny with the musical, but the LARPing is, again, this is where the point breaks down a little bit. The LARPing feels even more special to me because Grills frame it as like, this is the closest I get to being a superhero. Let me have this. And it is that moment that Clint like goes along with it to like have that fantasy, I guess. I was trying to avoid that word because of LARPing, but it's the only thing that comes to mind. And so... Because Clint services that desire to have that fantasy of being a superhero, we see in turn that Grills keeps his word. Like they could have Mm -hmm. easily gone down that cynical rabbit hole of like, oh, he just wanted to win. And then he takes off with a suit, but he shows up and is like, hey, man, here's the suit. And given everything that Kate was talking about with branding and about how people don't want the cynical, cool keeps to himself guy anymore. This episode is, I think is starting to make a statement about what it means to be earnest in a cynical world. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, that's a great way to put it, you know, cause he's, he's again, awestruck. We talked about this. How do, uh, how, how does the civilian, I'll just use it that way, um, interact with the superhero and Cl- Barton, call me Clint, you know, Got the fist bump. I, I can call you Clint. Yeah, it's like, dude, call me Clint. You know, and and so yeah, it's it's you're right. I think that's a, a really good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Grills even gets him to admit, like, you had fun, huh? He's like, I'm glad I came. So like, yeah, it's 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 special. And maybe I've been watching a lot of Ted Lasso, which is which has redefined wholesome for me. And I'm not even going to try and put this on the same category of that. But I am getting essence of that wholesomeness in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I can't comment on Ted Lasso because I haven't seen it yet. Uh, it is something I'd like to see. Um, it's, it has an issue with like subscription services and how many do I actually want to pay for and risk reward of like what am I paying for and how much am I going to watch it. Um, but there is there is that wholesomeness of you know I I really hope and again I haven't read the article yet um, and, and that critique but I. I I'm started I just off the headline. I'm seeing that. Um, as a dad, I really hope they're able to pull this thread through and that this is what really we're seeing because there is an element of one of my Chris personal criticisms of media and shows um, is not having 
or misunderstanding maybe what a good male role model is and how dads have been portrayed in particular. Um, and, and honestly, one of the best examples for me is, um, from the CW show Arrow, Joe West. You know, you have strength, you have trust, you have sacrifice, but he also, you know, does things that can lose trust. Um, and he owns up to it and tries to, to regain and make it right. Um, you know, and so he's a kind of a complete character there. Uh, in, in that way. And, and so I really hope that that's the thread they're going to pull through on Barton because it's, it's there and we're seeing that, you know, and so much of being a dad is, is in a weird way, a uh, choice, you know, and I mean, you can say that I'm being a mom so I, I get that. Um, I but, guess being a parent. Yeah. Um, and again, this, this gets a little, you know, and I talked about it with Amity last year cultural like western culture and just the the culture vibe that we've had um and the influences of um judaism and christianity um in western culture that has this whole god that intentionally chooses you know um and and talking about god as father and and seeing that 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 play out you see that in in um in families and in particular fathers and you know and dads um and i mean you see it with um gun right and guardians of the galaxy 2 this whole distinction between father and daddy and how much of like i might not have been your father but i'm your daddy with yondu right and it was very much a a choice you know um and you get found family things as well. Like we, this isn't a biological family, but this is the family I found. And that's wonderful. Like I'm, you know, but I, I, I really hope to see them pull that through the rest of the way with, uh, Barton here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I got one more thing I want to bring up here in this LARPing section. And I don't have too much to add other than I just love how Laura and Clint work. I think they're very open and honest with each other. And there is a clear implication, like you mentioned earlier, that she understands what happened with Ronan. And it's something they talked about because she calls it the the problematic costume, I believe, or, or something like that. And she seems fine with it. It's not something that's a revelation. It's not something she's holding against them. It's just something that they have worked through. And so there are little mini interactions with them within this episode that are special and makes them feel like such a great couple on screen. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I'll be honest. I don't have a good thing to follow up on that. Um, but I, I'll say this. I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, cause the thought that popped into my mind was, yeah. And I think LARPing would be fun. I would love to try it. <laughs> you know? Um, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's Dungeons and Dragons, but not sitting at a table and dice. Well, I mean, I'm sure there might be dice and stuff involved, but it's role play. But instead of like, you know, let me roll my hit die, I'm actually going to hit you. Oh, God. <laughs> remind me never to play D and D with you. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh man, I I would definitely be a Clint in that. Like, I would begrudgingly be in there. Like, oh my God, this is whatever and then the how? moment you i'm play in there dungeons and dragons i know 
I have this every this conversation with my friend too. Like he's always held it against my head that I I just don't have any interest in going into the Renaissance Festival. And it's just oh my like, gosh, it's so much fun. Yeah, I like fantasy stuff, but I like it from the comfort of my screen. I don't want to go actually so pretend to be in it. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. And my students will sometimes be like, "Yeah, LARPing." It's like whatever. If I if I could if I told you, hey, we're gonna go LARP. And the two teams are going to be the senior class and the freshman class out on the football field. Y'all totally would play. And they're like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> they're like, yeah, you're right. We would. Uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm a fuddy-duddy. You know, th- this now means we've got to get us, our podcast friends, and all the friends of the podcast together for a LARPing session someday. Let's just start with T&D. Hey, I okay. Think, <laughs> I, I, think, I think we'll work our way to LARPing just because we are in different areas of the country. Dungeons and podcasts. <laughs> yeah, dungeons and podcasting. <laughs> oh, man. All right, getting back to the episode, uh, I think we can go ahead and move into the next section, which is entitled Fencing for the Truth. This section is going to be everything with Kate as she is dealing with Jack and her growing suspicion of him being the person who has murdered Armand III, as well as getting used to him within her new family dynamic. So, Jude, starting with you this time, uh, where would you like to start? Let me scroll through my notes. Take your time. Um, well, I, ha- I have one note here that, that I t- teased from the first episode, but I don't know if this is the right place to put it. So let me, let me, let me break this up into two notes. Because okay. you brought up, did Jack recognize Kate? And if the answer is yes, that recontextualizes this whole scene for me. Because I don't, because my initial watch is I don't think he recognized her. And so that, you, you know what I mean? Like, like and, and so that changes like his approach and his interactions with her um, in the fencing, in the actual like, I'm not trying to be like a stepdad and let you win kind of thing. Like I'm really being villainous toying with you. You know, uh, I like the use of the fencing and able to show the two of them already with the tension in combat. But it's like, well, A, we know you're going to, I mean, we know how narratives work. They're going to fight again, right? Like, like he bested her in this sequence, you know, even though he fencing wise, she got points. He was letting her win. She, proved it with i knew he was gonna parry and stuff so he's clearly skilled so we're gonna see this again because she now has to beat him and overcome this um if they don't do that we're gonna kind of we'll be disappointed because there won't be that payoff um i think i'm talking myself into he recognized her okay so i just still i'm not i'm not sure like why yet we're suspicious of jack to this degree you know because and and again, I but I I resonate with Clint still of like you're you're still a kid, you, you know what I mean? And like I know why from the stuff we watched and the shady stuff of like oh the inheritance I don't have the money but I'll get it and the stealing of the sword like I get all that, but strictly from Kate Bishop's point of view, the motivation to follow suspicious enough that I'm gonna follow, like she followed her mom down and then Jack happened to be there as well you you know what i mean and so that's why it's like i I, we don't i don't feel like i've been given sufficient information through bishop's point of view to like to have that level of suspicion of jack well i can read my note here and i want to preface it by saying 
I've cleaned it up a bit, but I think the reason why we are supposed to be suspicious of Jack, it's that turd-eating grin, like 100%. Like, he's got such a menacing grin mm-hmm. that it gets yeah. under your skin for some reason. It gets under my skin for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, and the casting is great because to me, yeah. he looks very similar to her dad, but it's not her dad. You know, and and so I think that kind of builds this heightened tension that they're tr- that they're trying to use that the and it's a stereotype. Um, you know, some step parent relationships, step kids don't work really well. Some do. Um, you know, so the idea that like the step kids and step parents don't get along that's a stereotype, and the show is more than welcome to play in that space. But I, I think the casting of having someone that looks very similar to her dad, but not her dad with the creepy smile and stuff, I, th- I think heightens that that suspicion. And, and that's a testament to Tony Dalton, who plays Jack. And I, I just want to say, like, he is phenomenal in Better Call Saul. And so I'm very curious in what direction they will take him in in this. He's been a bit awkward so far, but I think it goes to the tension that is going on between Kate, Jack, and Eleanor. So there's something here but that is part of the mystery of what we're seeing un- unravel. And I'm just going to put my money down. And this is like this is who I am as a person because I am stubborn in that if something feels like it's supposed to be obvious, I'm going to go in the other direction. I'm going to put money, well, not actual money. Uh, figurative money down that Jack is not the villain that we think he is. Um, and my reasoning being is I think there is genuineness when he, I think it's genuine that he got goaded into the fencing, not necessarily because, oh, here he is trying to be a good stepdad. I think it was this like, all right, you little twerp, I'll, I'll play into this. And then like the, the trying to fit in stepdad kicked in when he let her win. But if he was trying to be low key, I don't think he does that. And so I think there is some genuine aspects of him trying in that fencing scene. Well, it's hard to tell right now of because they're they're playing into the whole trying too hard bit with this character. Uh-huh. Right? No, oh, no, no, I bought a book. A, yeah, right. I bought a book. No, 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 it's okay. And kind of explained her actions through the book or even beforehand. It's it, you know, it's okay. Y'all have that moment and time time will heal all wounds. Kind of kind of kind of thing and it's like that creates this tension and suspicion of this person because they're trying too hard um but you can also play the trying too hard and you're just like oh you're just a bumbling idiot (laughs) you you know because you're trying too hard and and so and and it's right now i'm reading it from the suspicion standpoint and you kind of want to read it that way um, but again, that can be one big misdirect. They got their hooks in us, don't they? Well, they well they do because again, what you know about narrative and storytelling, right? That mm-hmm. starts to come into play. Of like, I, again, my thought of God, I wish there'd be eight episodes because I know there's four episodes left. Yeah, and if I take six episodes and pair them up into pairs, and I start thinking about narrative storytelling, and I start thinking about the story circle or the hero's journey, whichever is your preference, you know, to have a well developed villain they need to be introduced fairly quickly um you know and they don't have go back to the netflix daredevil with 10 episodes or 13 episodes right 12 12 okay 12 episodes they have an episode to spend on a whole flashback episode to his training with stick to his relationship with 
uh, his meeting Matt Murdock, relationship with Foggy, a whole flashback episode on just Wilson Fisk. You know, with 12 episodes, that's three right there, mid-season, mid-middle end of season, that, that you're getting these, these the this backstory filled in that you're just, you don't get with, with six episodes. You know, so it's just you like correction. Have, yeah. Go ahead. Finish your thought. No, I'm just saying, so you have to have that efficiency and to have a good compelling villain, which, you know, the in, in complicated villain, you, you have to have time to develop that a, a little bit as well. And that's the other thing of like, Oh, it has to be him. It has to be. So, slight correction, I looked it up. There are 13 episodes. I was wrong. I only thought there was 12 because I hate the stick episode that much. Wow. <laughs> I thought I'd get a laugh. Wow. <laughs> the stick was the original truck. It was. It was. like, And I get it. Like, to me, I look at it and I was like, they did a really good job. You weren't supposed to like stick. Like... Like they, they, they did what they set out to do. Mission accomplished. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, cause you hated stick and, um, I had different feelings about that episode after our, our pod reviews of those. I'll never forgive that beer can trick shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, we're, we're moving along here. And just to kind of set expectations here, normally we do have a little bit lengthier episodes, but given that we've tackled two episodes in one week, uh, we are moving right along, which is going to take us to our next important topic, which is titled Tracksuit Mafia Interrogation. This section is essentially going to deal with the remaining action sequence at the end once the tracksuit mafia has gotten a hold of Hawkeye, but Basically, anything to do with them within this episode is going to be the focus of this section. So starting with me, uh, there's this show on HBO called Barry and a character by the name of Noho Hank, who is very similar to the tracksuit mafia in that they are a gang, but they are very comical in the way they get things done. But the underlying point is they get things done. So I am enjoying this blend of how they're both comedic effect, but still pretty intimidating. If if at least that's the pickup that I'm getting from them. I do remember last episode you mentioned you wouldn't you wouldn't put them as capable of pulling off a heist though. So I am curious to see if you have any rebuttals. I would not. And cuz it just felt like they were used as like comic relief, right? So like he's tied up and he gets out um he has that line where it's uh, like, I feel like I'm talking to furniture. I'd like to see your manager. So like, he's clearly not under any kind of threat. Like mm-hmm. it's a catch and release plan. As it said, he was like, come on, let's just get this over with. Um, oh, my favorite guys. I can, I can see through the bag. You yeah. Know, so he had the head on the back. And so it's like, so I, I feel like we weren't clearly in those interactions. Like he caught one of their Molotov cocktails and, threw it back and you had that interaction with the pizza shop owner at the, at the bottom. Like they just, they, they were intentionally, they were intentionally portrayed as incompetent. And so that's why I'm looking at that. I'm like, there's no way they were doing the, the, the heist. And you're probably right. They probably were the same. Cause again, it's a, it's an ease and efficiency. And you spent a lot of time introducing the tracksuit mafia. Um, but overall, I'm just like, they just don't feel confident enough to do that. Yeah. 
So I, I, it's funny that I get that feeling because th- this was a note I pulled up from earlier in my notes down to here. And now that we're here in my notes, I also wrote, I love how Clint is in control of this situation the entire time. And that it feels contradicting in that I am feeling like, oh, these are people who get done. But you were also right in that they are displayed as incompetent. But it's, I am of the belief they were pulling off the heist. So they got that done. They are caught off guard when Hawkeye is revealed to be in control, but they do get him back under control with Kate as they have them both tied down again. So it is this push and pull between them being comedy and serious, and the show Barry found a way to make that work. I guess the question is, will Hawkeye be able to make this work through the series if this is where they want to take them moving forward? And the other thing I want to add to it is if they're not going to be this blend of comedy and competency, it is a pretty good my first mafia for Kate as her being like the 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 hero in training here. Yeah, like we talk about this all the time, right? Like following the video game model. Yeah. You level up, right? Like like you you're gonna learn how to do this against you know, or Dungeons and Dragons, right? You start out at level one, you work your way up to level two and you fight harder bad guys or you know it's always interesting it's bad guys it's never bad girls um <laughs> that always brings bad girls bring such a different connotation um which is a whole world of can you know can of worms that we're not going to get into because it's so problematic but anyways <laughs> i really think i need to get on adhd medicine um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you're oh, right man. there is this leveling up that we're seeing kate bishop go through and the incompetent track for Duke mafia unfortunately you know like i mean seriously like you really think kate bishop was ronin like you've had a run-in with ronin already from what we understand and this mm-hmm. ronin ran from you and tried to get away in the car you think ronin was really gonna do that but you're convinced kate bishop was ronin come on like Kate Bishop just beat you up, didn't chop you down with a sword. Like they all, all of a sudden Ronan just changes his MO. No. Well, I mean, Ronan, quote unquote, is now out there beating up people with a scarf. So, so yeah. So it, it's, they're incompetent. <laughs> we, you know what we need to do? We need to set up a tally for competency and comedy and see which tally has more by the end of the series. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but and, and I get it. You sometimes play incompetence for comedy, but I don't think that that's and and you had that here, but I don't think that that's what they were doing. I think that they needed a a group or a villain because you have what Ronan did, but you don't want it to be again skill level at such that they're going to get bogged down with this group because they need to move on with the story. So in essence, the my first mafia by Fisher Price. So we got one more thing to tackle before we move into Stray Thoughts, and that is the buildup to the moment where after Clint and Kate have been apprehended once more and tied down, they have this ominous buildup to somebody who wants to meet them, and we go into a room that is all red and a woman who is listening to music at a very loud uh, volume and is communicating, I think, with sign language because the person that comes and gets her only half does it and then she just kind of like shoes him away. So there feels like they're hinting at something there. But this feels like a pretty big character uh, that gets introduced here in this episode. So 
Okay, we don't know who this person is yet, right? We don't, but in the credits it says their name, and mm-hmm. that is how I know. What what was the name? Maya. Maya. Okay. So that's that's what I thought. The Maya is Maya Lopez, Echo. Yes. And I know Echo's getting us the spin-off, right? And so that and that's the other thing is of like this feels like a villain, but with the announced spin-off of Echo, is it like a villain who's gonna no longer be villainous at the end? Or are they pre-expecting us to like love this anti-villain i don't even like to use that term anymore this quasi-villain like loki Mm -hmm. and like we know you're gonna love this character so much that you're gonna want to see a villain with its own show yeah like like i i'm I'm really curious of of which way they're playing that because that's clearly the vibe they got like okay you know oh here's the big bad um but again it's not it's not clear yeah and again, and this is all external knowledge given the one name Maya from the credits. So, you know, there's a, there's still there. It's something we're going to delve into next episode. I'm assuming because you can't leave it on that without revisiting her. Um, it's just, it was an interesting build up to that character that I felt like we needed to at least talk about a little bit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they left us there for a reason. Um, you know, we're, you know, we're going to come back to this. Uh, we have the big announcement of echo, like, we knew Echo was going to show up in this series. So, so yeah, so I, now I'm just curious of which way they're going to take this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to wrap up this section for us. Uh, like I said, we are moving at a bit of a fast pace just because two weeks, need two episodes in one week. Uh, but let's go ahead and move into our stray thoughts. So, Jude, do you have any stray thoughts for this episode? Hmm. Um, stray thoughts. I have one overarching stray thought. And it's, uh, we get to learn more about Kate, you know, like this time she successfully picks the lock. Uh, she was resourceful and buzzing and doing the pizza to get in. Um, but there is this element of like, you know, we have the scene that we didn't talk about with the police calling and she's like, you know, and normally the it's scripts are written of like, can I, I'm going to ask, what is this pertaining to officer or whatever? And she's like, I don't know how this works. Can I ask what this is pertaining to? In other words, it is like the age range of that in college, about to be out of college ish, 22 year old. I think they're doing a really good job of portraying that. This, mm-hmm. this sense of confidence, yet, and some wisdom in the things that she said to, to Barton about branding and not wearing his heart on his sleeve. So you get both like this confidence, this wisdom. But also, like, you really don't know what's going on because you're still young. <laughs> um, you know, oh, and, we were supposed to bring guns. Yeah, like you know, and it's just like uh, getting in and over your head because I mean, not on the scale, but whatever. I was in my early twenties once, and I remember getting in over my head of things, and I remember that, and then and, and those types of things, and I just feel like they're portraying that very well because that is something like I liked about the Spider-Man movies of like. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things they did that that I'm like, oh, that's what the high schoolers would have done completely, y- you know, whereas others are like, that's not how high schoolers act. <laughs> and that actor's 30, like, you know, and, and so I, I do, that is something that I feel like I'm, they're getting, I don't want to say right, but they're in the, they're definitely in the ballpark. Mm-hmm. It's authentic. 
Yes. And that is a credit to Haley Steinfeld, which I don't think we have talked about enough. We've talked about Kate, but I don't think we've talked about how great she is in this role. Yeah. Oh, this, like, Stu and wonderful. It's going to be, like, I can't wait to see her interaction with Shang-Chi. And yeah, I want to see her interaction Katie with, and Kate. yeah, like, and I, I want to see her interaction with Yelena because they relatively, I would argue that have the same skill set, but Yelena is probably more skilled and, and they both have their view of the Avengers in a particular light where one's kind of this hero worship and one's not, you know, um, and well, not a hero worship of, of what you did, but it's like, it was, it's a sibling kind of thing, especially a newfound respect at the end of Black Widow. So yeah, so seeing that interaction would be, I can't wait for that. Yeah, I think you just got me really excited about that potential interaction. That that would work really well. Mm-hmm. And we may get it before sooner than we realize. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's only going to be four more episodes. <laughs> six more. What's so funny to me is when you wrote your pre-spoiler thought of like, I'm already dreading needing two more episodes. It came across as like very down on the episode, but hearing you get so excited about it here in the episode, it just makes it sound so much different. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just one of those things where it's just like, for some reason right now, they're married to the idea of like, we're going to do six hours and cut it up. And it's like a movie. And it was like, no, just embrace the TV format because it works. That's probably budget. And... You know that the whole Forrest Gump running scene almost didn't make the movie because of budget, and they found a way to make it work. That whole sequence. So, like, okay, I get budget, but man, let's put the story first, and this, these stories need eight episodes at least. To quote so. your your wisdom, that's what I call job security with more episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, my stray thoughts. Uh, you mentioned it earlier. I just want to say it again. Catching the Molotov cocktail is one thing, but Clint breaking the glass first and then catching it is a pro move, and it made me so happy to see him do that. Uh, second, I think well, he I'm gonna thought, make the he shot call. Thanos. I guess this <laughs> That's right, he fought Thanos. If by fighting that Thanos, comment you mean that he made I was gonna say, by that comment that he made before LARPing, and he's like He's like, and I fought Thanos. And then he ha- then he like lets the guy kill him. Like that was fantastic. So good. Uh this this is maybe a prediction, not a prediction. I'll keep it in straight thoughts. I'm gonna make a bet now. We get a reference to pizza every episode this season. We've gotten it twice so far. And I feel good about this because with Pizza Dog, that feel which we haven't even discussed Pizza Dog at all. Um I'm gonna say this because this is Disney. I feel really bad about this because this is Disney. Whenever they released the character poster for pizza dog, I thought the dog was winking. I thought they were doing their Disney thing. Like, Oh, here's a cute (laughs) animal. And that's not the case. It is a one eyed dog. And I feel so bad that I didn't realize that on the character poster. You know what? And I, I'm going to forgive you on that because that is a Disney thing to do. Right. I thought that's what they were doing. And I haven't, again, I haven't read the comics yet um and i truly mean yet i plan on going through them but i do know i think i know that the dog is important dynamic okay and so like this is like i'm sure friend daniel's like nodding his head he's like yes you gotta read this and tk yeah the dog is so amazing you know and so and the comics the dog wore the gauntlet i know right like (laughs) so yeah so so that's 
So, so I think I'm just not connecting to the dog because I haven't read the comics. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. I, and honestly, I just see a sandwich stealer. Hey, Earl of Sandwiches. That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, two quick straight thoughts. Uh, one, Hawkeye is allergic to cats. That's fun to know just canonically. Uh, two, instead of getting the opening credit sequences, it looks like we're going to be getting the uh, credit sequences with all the cool animations at the end now. Really love the shot with all the Christmas lights where it is one singular purple bulb surrounded by red bulbs that are cracking. Very, very cool. Yes, I um, love that they intentionally made this a Christmas holiday film. I do too. Or and I know I'm going to catch flack for this. I'm going to catch flack for this for saying that all Christmas things are the same, all Christmas movies. It'll be fun to see where this plays out by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, Well, those were our stray thoughts, but... As we've been doing uh, since What If, we really like hearing what you thought of the episode. So since we put our pre-spoiler thoughts out on social media, we've got a few replies with people's first takes as well. So we're going to read through some of those and comment on them now. So starting with this one, uh, this one comes in from Ken on Twitter, and it says, Agree with Trey about clunkiness, but definitely works best when Kate and Clint are together. I don't think it's clicked yet for me, but I'll give it a chance to develop and grow on me. Still want a full version of Rogers the Musical. And uh, I'm right there with you, Ken. Yes. I, I, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in too. Even though I said it's like disturbing, I, I listen, I watch Squid Game. I can use some disturbing. <laughs> so I have not watched Squid Game, but I am definitely mm-hmm. in on the Rogers Musical. <laughs> Let's see. Who else do we have? We have from just Mr. Melt on Twitter. These episodes were an absolute delight. I can't wait for the next one to be released and i'm with you like as soon as the second episode was over i'm like oh my gosh i want to see the third yeah uh this next one comes in from ben.maddie on insta and it says i loved how grounded it was Haley was amazing and maya's entrance was so cool um yeah like we said it, it took us too long to get to it Haley steinfeld's amazing maya definitely has a very noteworthy interest entrance as well mm-hmm so real quick, I was going to say Instagram. Is that, am I like showing age here saying Instagram over Insta? My favorite thing about this is really Schrodinger's age. I don't know if I'm showing my age by shortening it to Insta. I don't know if it's cool or not. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, you know, take your pick. All right. So TK on Instagram, I love how much it feels like a TV show. And I mean that in the best possible way. And I already feel like I understand Clint so much better as a character. I completely agree with her on the character um, and the, the feel of the TV show. It, it has that. I, we talk about the AB cadence in a negative light a lot of times, but I think that's part of what makes these shows work as a long form show is mm-hmm. that AB cadence. Um, especially did that with Daredevil. Uh, the difference being is Netflix putting everything out at once versus yep. having to watch it one week at a time, which I enjoy because it stretches the enjoyment out. I have the episode to episode conversations uh, with people, which adds to me, for me, adds to the enjoyment of the show. But again, it with that cadence, it's like, uh, you know, go back to just Mr. Melt. Yeah. Give me the next one now. So, yeah, I do want to add, I'm, I love that TK is mentioning how they understand Clint so much better as a character. I would love if by the end of this, that is a complete 180, because if I'm not mistaken, and, and they've, they've openly admitted it to on their show, how Clint was never their favorite Avenger. If this ends up being a complete 180 for them, 
Because I know like uh, 15 Minutes of Marvel is also on that same like, oh, I don't like Hawkeye. And I'm curious to see how they are receiving him after this. Mm-hmm. Well, it has to be. It has to. That's almost the, the directive of the uh, the series. Right. It's the directive of the series. But like with with TK being such a Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff <laughs> fan, to truly take her understanding of that character to the next level, you got to understand Clint because they were best friends. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, moving along, we got one more first take. Uh, this one comes in from none other than friend Daniel on Insta, and it says they adapted great elements from the comics while offering a fresh, funny, emotional take. And it again, we mentioned it last episode. I love how much friend Daniel and TK have been hyping up Matt Fraction's uh, run of Hawkeye, and it is going to be fun seeing their infectious excitement about this as we move through the series. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, like we said, this was our listeners' first takes. These are people who replied to us on Instagram, Twitter, or even in our Discord. So, if you are keeping along with our episodes and want to chime in with what you thought of the episode, make sure you're looking for our pre-spoiler thoughts and replying to those. So, we're going to do something we haven't done since Loki, which is predictions. And I am so excited to bring this back. Jude, do you have any predictions for episode three? All right. I've been teasing them from episode one. Uh, these are more show predictions than episode three predictions, but I, well, <laughs> well, one of them's more show prediction that is sure to go wrong. And the other one we might find out in episode three. So let's do this. The episode we, the prediction that I'm going to say, yes, you're right. That Jack recognized Kate because he offered the butterscotch. I think that was intentional to like, I'm letting you know that I know by offering the butterscotch. Um, and she has some training left to do. She didn't do a really good job of hiding how uncomfortable that was uh, and getting out of that situation. Um, but yeah, so like I definitely there. So I think we're going to find that out uh, the next episode. Prediction, we kept wondering, you know, who got the items for the auction? Who got the items for the auction? You know, these should be with, you know, the, the Department of the Damage Control, the Power Broker. Mm-hmm. That's who I'm gonna say. I it was is. going to, I was going to say that until you said I'll save the the prediction, and so I'm glad you got to it. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's just who has the access, um, and who is already doing those kinds of things. It's the power broker. Has to be the the only thing that keeps me from being full throated about that. What's the power broker doing with a skull of a dinosaur? <laughs> well, I don't know if the power broker provided the skull. But the com the the because the Avengers compound stuff though, for sure I think came from the power broker. I'd agree with that. Because because like in the auction house, right? It's just an underground black market auction house, and you know where do I take my black marketed stolen goods to to be fenced off, right? Well, I'm going to go to this place because that's what they do. Um, so it, 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 though the skull doesn't have to come from the same source. <laughs> well, cool. I think those are, uh, very good predictions. Yeah. Okay. I was trying to, I can't remember if you said you had more than that. No, that's it. That's it. That's it. I, I have my, you know, my series one and my episode three one. All right. Well, cool. You know what? I'm going to follow suit. And I'm going to start with my episode three prediction, which I'll admit is a pretty tame one, but we're still early on in the season, so it's kind of hard to predict what's coming next. But I think next episode, we get the Ronin revelation, whether it's through Kate finding out 
or Clint's kids finding out, which I think will also be a very emotional moment since they don't know despite their mom and dad knowing. And as yeah. for... Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah. As for the series, revela- series revelation, for the series prediction, I'm calling it now. The final action set piece will end with whatever huge dramatic stakes are, are happening, culminating to Clint with all his talk or Kate's talk about branding and being out there and being sincere will end with Hawkeye stumbling into Rogers the musical and taking the place of Ant-Man. Like accidentally, like it's just like whatever action piece is happening, (laughs) he ends up on stage during Ant-Man's moment. And that's his like victory lap of like, it's me, it's Clint and I'm the hero. That I hope that happens. Yeah. That would be such a cool moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it'll be brief. It'll be like, he runs on stage like, oh, I didn't know this was going. And then runs off and continues with the fight scene. Yeah. Well, that's the thing though. Like to the degree they went with this musical I have a hard time believing that that's the only time we we see it. Mm-hmm. So they're going to get their mileage out of it for sure. Oh, absolutely. As they should. Mm-hmm. Well, there you have it. We've got our predictions in the books now, but we want to know what are your predictions for episode three or the series itself? And while you're at it, let us know what you thought about these episodes as well. You can always do that by reaching out to us on social media at MC Needed on Twitter and Instagram. It is a great place to interact with whatever we thought about the episode, as well as getting some extra content that does not necessarily make it into the final cut of this episode. So if that sounds interesting to you and you want to help support the show, go ahead and give us a follow and uh, yeah, we'll see you there. Yeah. And of course, as always, scroll down to the bottom, click on the link and join our Discord. Uh, it's a wonderful community interested in all kinds of things, in particular the MCU. Uh, interact with us, friend Daniel. Leech sometimes hangs around. Um, I've seen Rob Logan in there. All kinds of people. Um, once you're there, make sure you go to the roll assign, click on the eye emoji, have access to all the spoiler channels. And since you're listening to this episode and enjoying what you hear, be sure to share that joy with others during this holiday season by sharing the episode with a friend. Yeah. We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on a SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes as well. Well, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. And Jude, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Trey. We'll see you all next week. This section is essentially going to deal with the remaining action sequence at the end once the tracksuit mafia has gotten a hold of Hawkeye. But basically anything to do with them within this episode is going to be the focus of this section. So starting with me, uh, I just got to say there's this show called Barry on on HBO. (laughs) What was that? Oh, man. All right. Let me try over. I believe it's HBO. Uh, how do you spell that? The what? <laughs> I how said, do how spell do you spell A C H B E E O. That'll never take off. It's ridiculous. I should have called it like Amazon Prime or something. A. <laughs> it's the ch sound. A. Uh-huh. The long A.
ch ch b. <laughs> so there's a b and two e's. Oh man! Now I need to speak and the, say with Jude. The o is a the o is a vowel. So okay. It's just like it's like if you're gonna write it phonetically, I think there's just a line over it because you just say the letter o. Okay. You done? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there's nothing more. It's just it's just. That's how you spell it. HBO. All right. Let me start over. <laughs> okay.